0: On this week's episode, we stick it to the man with School of Rock. When this came out, had thoughtfulness been invented yet? Does this movie service the perfect dollop of Jack Black? And aren't we all kind of Ned Schneebly? Find out now you're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. Alright, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of 24 Flames Per Second. Everybody, this is the podcast that uh, roasts the films that rock the most. And this week, everybody, uh, oh, as always, I'm your host, Robert Spiewak. Everybody, welcome to the show as we keep moving through November. Uh, There's a fresh new drink along up on the Patreon. And this week, um, we have some great special guests here. Um, for our panels this week some good friends from long ago some good friends from five minutes ago and uh, we are really excited to talk about School of Rock this week it was another one of our films that uh, came up when we were talking about films we're thankful for and then everybody in our normal pool that suggested School of Rock we dumped them all like yesterday's garbage and we found a whole bunch of new people who've never been on the show before to talk about it so um, we're excited to uh to get into it this week. Um and yeah everybody it's uh it's November. Uh we're recording this before the election. We don't know what happened as you might have heard last week on our Pirates of the Caribbean episode. So uh if we all sound super cheery it's for that reason. Um but uh yeah everyone we're uh we're gonna get right into it and um yeah go check out um the new drink along the horror stuff up on our um patreon patreon.com slash 24 flames pod and uh yeah and we'll, we'll get into all that stuff again at the end of the show um but for now we'll start with the uh, the ned schneebly to my dewey Finn Quasi phillips schneebly what's we're up two, we're two sides of the same coin <laughs> how are you doing man good how are you i'm good i'm excited this
1: is a this is a gem mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to this one a lot it's yeah, an kind of ex- example of both of our loves for Jack Black. So, mm-hmm.
0: it's, it's gonna be mm-hmm. great. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to start talking about it. Um more importantly, did you watch the movie this week?
1: I didn't, but I oh. know it very well. But okay. sure I will, I will admit something to you. I was con- I thought we were doing uh saving silverman for this. Project. Oh. That but- could have been good. Yeah, but because both have Jack Black and then Sarah right. Silverman is in this one. So I was really just like. But
0: she, her stuff. name is the other one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had this movie growing up. So I remember when everyone was buying stuff on iTunes, I got like some gift cards and I spent the yeah. money on Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, The Italian Job and Schools Rock. Weird Dude, this is your month. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 it was a weird combination of movies, but um, it, I, I watched it all the time. So it's 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 a it's a treasure in my heart. Sweet, so I'm looking for um, what a panel has to say.
0: Yeah. What else? What do you know about school of rock? Well, Did I, you do any research? I
1: think I just wanted. I I think what I loved about it was it it, it was exposure to me a uh, uh, new avenues of rock and roll because mm. I uh, famously didn't uh, grow up in America until I was like, in the elementary. Famously. And uh, I think that my introduction to rock and roll came from, like, like uh, uh, demo CDs that came with our computer, and my dad oh. Rolling Stone, and your love of ACDC, which came from, Um But this movie, there's uh, a great scene where he hands out, like, the inspirational uh, albums to the kids, and I remember listening to 2112 by Rush and Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, and... Seeing that was it was kind of fun to see that as an exposure for those kids as well as me into like this world of rock and roll. Yeah, so I really liked it, and I think that this movie is kind of an ode to, ode to like kind of sticking into the man and that type of uh, mentality <laughs> of rock and roll being a fun kids movie. Um, but it was, um, it's uh, Richard Nicklater killed it, and uh, it had a, bu- a, a like a lot of uh, success in the box office comparatively for what it was expected, and so that's why you know. It's it's kind of kept as a treasure for that as one of the best movies of the the Naughties, which is what I think we're
0: called the Naughty-Oddies? So, yeah, <laughs> that's what Alyssa like, called Naughty them. Yeah,
1: audience. yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of the the a lot of the music in the movie is real, and a lot of the improv that Jack Black had in the movie they kind of just kept going, all the nicknames, all the riffs, and everything. And so it's I'm sure Richard Linklater had a blast just letting Jack Black be loose on set, <laughs> loosey goosey. It as he could be so i think it definitely contributed to its success as well as to its adaptation to a musical in 2015 um so i'm i think that i'm curious to see how uh it holds up in this time of our lives
0: sure yeah um what's amazing i didn't know a lot of that about about your relationship to the movie so thanks for sharing I love it. <clears throat> um that's Matt, gone excuse
1: me Matt, uh, oh, wait who was that <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um well very good uh yeah i think we'll uh, let's get into it let's introduce um our panels this week and we'll start with if everybody wants to say hello when i say your name that'll help people identify your voices with your names and then i'll do i'll do the more after that um so we'll start with the roasters um first we have uh the drummer for impulse control max malcolm Hello, it's Malcolm, actually. I, spe- I I saw your name in a flash yeah. and didn't see it again when I said it. So.
2: No worries.
0: Yeah, but anyways, it's great to have you here. Um, also roasting this week, uh, guitar player for Impulse Control, and he can carry all the coconuts, Tim Durier. Hey! <laughs> it's great to have you here, buddy. It's um,
3: so good to be here. Long-time listener, first-time yeller.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and then, um, it's great. There's our roasters this week. And on the defense basis for impulse control, Johnny Boy. I don't know your last name. You just put Johnny Boy.
4: My tooth hurts. <laughs> I don't
0: know what that means. Um, but, anyways, yeah, and it's, it's, and
4: my last name is it's John Johns. It's, uh, oh, it's okay. Yeah
0: right on well anyways welcome to impulse control which is uh this this band these guys um and you can find them on social media at impulse control music um and they have got a new album coming out on november 20th which is if i do the math right i think next week when this is coming out um and so you can stream that on spotify um there's a single out right now when you're hearing this but uh but yeah everybody it's great to have them here um tim has been a friend of quasi of mine since i think like middle school um, we go way back. Uh, middle school band, Mr. Shook. High school band, Mr. Lack. Um, and so, wait, Tim, you didn't do high school band.
3: I did jazz band. That's right. To the chagrin of the wax, yeah. I only.
0: Have
3: a <laughs> <season>. <laughs> this crowd no reason jazz to jazz band. No reason to pull up those wounds right now.
0: It's fine. <laughs> They're just giving. We're just giving people context.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they um, know the wax.
0: They, they know them. They're, they're famously we're all familiar.
3: Has famously not lived in America for a while <laughs> yeah. And the Lacks are famously in charge of the music program At the high school yep.
0: too <laughs> Certainly, absolutely Anyways, but we digress um, And so, yeah, we're excited to, uh, to get going here And so, John, we will start with you on the defense uh, First things first, as we do on every episode Let's get movie in a minute uh, Give us the full plot synopsis of School of Rock Spoilers and all um, and you'll get sixty seconds, and I'll give you a three count. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, very good. Here we go. In three, two, one, go. All right. So
4: I got a minute. So uh, I guess it starts out with him getting kicked out of his band, which I got kicked out of my band. So I feel kind of biased towards this fucking or towards this movie. Anyway, so we go on to him getting kicked out of his band, and then after that, he starts living, I think his brother or his cousin's house, I haven't seen him in a little while. But uh, he's at the house, and he, he somehow takes a call for a substitute teacher that I'm pretty sure he wasn't supposed to take. I'm uh, Pretty sure that was for the guy that was actually living there. So he goes and takes the substitute teacher role, and I think the first two days or something, he doesn't give a crap, and then he finds out that some kids can like play music in the class. So in the class, he ends up thinking, oh, you know, I think on the third or fourth day, whatever, throws the lesson plan out, starts saying, hey, you know what, kids, we're going to build a rock band, all right? No more recess all day because I'm too hungover to teach. We're going to build a rock band. And mind you, this guy is not an actual teacher, and he's kind of just a loser. But anyway, so in in light of him getting kicked out of this band, now he has a substitute teacher role where he's trying to teach these kids how to rock. So
0: And you're started. out of time. No way. That was a minute. That was and a man, minute. You
1: know, I really do appreciate you adding so much context. I think that's the first time we've had like more historical movie in a minute.
3: <laughs> man, I did that so movie good. went by so fast. Hey, man. It does. It, it,
1: it sneaks up on you.
3: If only um, my bass player had a sense of timing.
0: You know. That's not funny. Roast the movie, not the person. We went no, over.
3: Damn it. This. Damn <laughs>
0: <it>. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's see the rest of School of Rock. Um, there's a there's the kids are in, the kids are going to be his band for uh, Battle of the Bands, and so the, uh, there's you know pretty much Act Two of the movie is them all prepping for this Battle of the Bands, which the kids think it's like a state school contest, um, and so eventually at parents' night, the kid the kids let it slip to the, all the parents that they're working on a secret project um, at the same time that Ned, his roommate best buddy. Finds out he's been impersonating him as a teacher, Um, and so cops are there to escort him out. He's not doing the school thing anymore, Um, and the kids take to heart all his lessons of sticking it to the man, and so they're like, we prepped for this show. We're going to do the show. They hijack a school bus and go pick him up to go to the Battle of the Bands the next day, and they um, get there, they play the guitar player Zach's song, um, they crush it, the, the band or the audience wants an encore, and uh, ultimately Dewey ends up opening this School of Rock after school program um, and music. The parents become accepting of rock and roll in their kids' lives, and everybody lives happily ever after. And Ned teaches the little babies uh, guitar. And, uh, and that's School of Rock, everybody. Um, and so, uh, we are going to take a quick break and then when we come back, John, we will get your, uh, opening statements and why you're here defending school of rock. And then we'll get into it, everybody. We will be right back. and we are back everybody welcome back to the school of rock episode we are here the full panel this week is inhabited by the various parts of the band impulse control tim and or john and tim and max and so yeah everybody right before the break um john got uh fired from his role as uh movie in a minute giver (laughs) and um and so now john let's get your opening statements uh why are you here defending school of rock
4: just like to say i really really feel bad about that i thought i had it down (laughs) i've been rehearsing for weeks Um, so i personally love it first of all because it's kind of so many signs and symbols of my own life Um, a loser getting kicked out of his band uh trying to go to school to make something happen with music and not really making it but at the end of it you did learn something Uh, anyways i have a lot to relate to in this film but also um i just got to say when, it, when you market it as what it was marketed as, which is a kid's film, even though adults – obviously you want to market to adults as well uh, just to make more money off it. But it essentially to me felt like a kid's film, and I feel like most people watched it as kids that I know that really loved it. And that to me is where is where I, I find the merit of it. It's not that the music was exceptionally good or that um, any of the mechanics in the movie as far as like how they even orchestrated a – 12 or 14 piece band or whatever that was on there with backup dancers coordinated Mm -hmm. everything that was just magic apparently it just happened like magic but um to me it was a kid's movie it was kind of showing you the beginning showing you the end and the kids you know these they don't really have the greatest attention span i feel like when you show them the whole work in the middle they start to lose interest and even though you know you you uh it's not that you want them to lose interest when it comes to actually putting the work in it's just you know it's a movie it was marketed to kids, and it really showed them, first off, how to stick it to the man and tell him that you really like do, playing music, and you don't have to do it while, you know, like your parents say, oh, maybe you're doing drugs, or maybe you're doing this or that. It's like, no, these are kids in a school setting playing music, and now, when I, I remember growing up in Portland, and I would go to see these uh, metal shows, and every once in a while, at a lower-cost venue, you would see school rock kids opened up. It'd be a little like, you know, Grant High School School of Rock or Lincoln High School School of Rock or whatever president's name School of Rock. And uh, you'd see him open it up. You know, it's, it's, it's a funny thing to see that have such an effect from that movie. And all it did, I mean, it basically told you what you could have already done. You already you could have done something like that. But somehow that was just some phenomenal new thing because it was put into um, a movie format for, for, you know, widespread movie for everyone to see. And also... Mm-hmm. Think about it. if that movie wasn't made, how many of us would still be thinking of Jack Black as Shallow Hal? <laughs>
0: That's a good point. Um, okay, so let's um, turn it over to the roasters, and I think a good place to start, since we mentioned you know the size of the band um, and just the kids in general, um, roasters. If we want to start with the characters, I think Tim, this was your point about the uh, the diverse collection of children they have.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the kids. I don't know if you guys remember but we have a friend sean canale from back in the day who swore that he was auditioned for this film so this is an important (laughs) to clear this up uh um, (laughs) the kids uh are great at being kid actors so you know forgive them for a lot of their strange acting choices especially the guitar player zach he's a bonkersly bad actor. Anyway, um, (laughs) the, the, the problem is that, uh, Mike White, the author, author, the screenwriter, he, the um, Ned Schneebly, the Ned Schneebly of the film. He wrote, um, different, a diverse group of kids, which is awesome. However, uh, his, his understanding of diversity is about one inch thick. Uh, and includes like, oh, we need a black boy. Therefore when he says what his favorite music is, he's will say puff daddy Oh, we need uh, a black girl. Oh, we're gonna have two black girls. Great One's gonna have sass and the other one is going to like Aretha Franklin. Great uh, Oh, we're gonna have a gay boy to flamboyantly gay boy who's gonna be the fashion designer awesome it's like it's it is reinforcing stereotypes that kids desperately need to break out of especially at the age that they are depicted in this film and the kids that will watch this film um and it's unfortunate that uh little care was done to do anything but visually make it diverse and not actually be thoughtful in what it means to a very impressionable
4: audience
0: hmm So let's see. Uh, yeah. So John, anything? We have got a lot of kids in this, this movie.
4: I got to remember when this movie was made. Cause if it was the nineties, I'm pretty sure thoughtfulness was like not even invented yet.
0: It's uh, <laughs>
3: 2003.
4: Yeah. It had just been invented. You know, you got to think about that. Um, basic humanity was not really cool until, you know, recently. And as far as this, you know, this movie, like, I would agree with Tim, but I would also, um, you know, it almost seems like. Sorry, sorry. What did you say? You said you would agree with my idea. I would say I would agree, (laughs) but also we're kind of putting an unfair standard compared to every other movie that came out in two thousand three. Isn't this the time when the Mummy two came out? You know, it's, it's 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 a very like strange time for movies. I feel like everyone. Yeah, I feel like that was just kind of, you can nitpick that about almost any movie made in that year. You know, it's just like, as far as like stereotyping people, you know, um, racially, uh, I always have the complaints, which I believe Lord of the Rings was made around then. I have a complaint that in Lord of the Rings, all the good guys are white and the orcs just happen to be darker skinned. So, yeah. you know, it's just like, you can make a lot of arguments about a lot of good movies with that, it, which is a fair argument, but also like, I kind of go by relativity in the in the year it was made. <laughs> uh,
0: the Scorpion King came out in two thousand and two, so oh, there you go, the most recent Mummy movie.
3: <laughs> oh, is that a yeah. lead actor that's a Pacific Islander that doesn't have a you know other Pacific Islander uh, stereotypes laid on top of his character?
4: That's I have not seen the that.
0: Scorpion King, so I don't
4: know. <laughs> it was a lot of. Uh, I was going to say a lot of very um, poorly executed. Uh, it was just kind of playing off the Egyptian history thing, but making more of a, a, a magazine cover out of it than any historical value.
2: So the the I, I was I, I know uh, Tim is itching at this one too. The stereotypes uh, of like the classroom and the teacher and how like all that stuff sort of plays out is another one that that is like as as a teacher I'm like. Uh that's not it. Like I'm a little bit of, of the rebel teacher at my school, uh, where it's just like that sounds dumb, I'm gonna do it my way. Uh, but my way also like is pro kid and, and everything like that. And I feel like uh the characters in that were were just like manipulated for that crappy guy's <laughs> purposes to like make this thing happen. Um and that's just like that that whole premise for me was just like really cringy, even even when i watched it back in the day i think i was 12 when the movie came out <laughs> i was like i was like this is garbage i didn't like it back when i was a kid because it was just like that's not how school is that's not how music works and that's like all, like all the all those things just got reinforced and i was like okay i can't another unbelievable premise that i can't get behind
3: Right, so so the the thrust of the film is we root for Jack Black's character who lies his way into being in, like, close proximity with a bunch of children and then exploits (laughs) their talents for his own personal gain. Uh, And the film, like, tries to, like, redeem him. uh, When exactly? Because he thinks he knows he's a loser by, like, What 15 minutes to the end of the film? He's like because the kids come and try to like get his spirits. They have to give him a pep talk. Yeah, they have to get the kids give him a pep talk, and uh, and then he gets what he wants at the end. He gets to be a rock star uh, to like crowd surf. So he he doesn't get just desserts. He is rewarded for his shortcomings, and the kids are the ones that have to pull the moral high ground, not our lead character
0: hmm. John John, thoughts on Dewey Finn or mentionably, <laughs> depending on how you empathize with him
4: well you know in movies it is kind of known to uh, you know kind of out I guess you could say outline how much of a loser is with the person just to show in the movie what his character is supposed to be and as far as worrying about the kids being the moral high ground here, he did just get threatened with the law and to be arrested. I just feel like I would empathize with that situation. I would consider myself a loser, but also I feel like a lot of good composers just constantly consider themselves losers. And this is kind of also a cheery moment for me (laughs) at least, because you kind of get that whole like, oh, maybe the legacy of your work could one day come up and catch up with you and actually say like, oh, you know what, you did a decent job as far as music, maybe you screwed up on everything else in life. But this part, you might be good at this part. And that, to me, is kind of the resounding message throughout the whole movie. Even though, logistically, there are some errors. Just like in logistically whiplash, there are some errors. You know, there's errors in every music movie, I feel like. <laughs>
0: um, and, and I know, Tim, you were saying something about teaching law also. Uh,
3: oh, this is, yeah, like, super so, illegal? I don't know. So so Max <laughs> and I are both teachers and both in the same rock band. So there's this, this film... Cool uh has become difficult to swallow <laughs> uh, to say the least. Um, so let, so this the highest the, the, so this is based off an actual private school in New York. The name is like slightly different from the actual name of the school that it's based off of. But uh, like Horace Green is what it's called in the movie, I think. Yeah. Uh, so it's like the most prestigious in the movie. It says like the most prestigious, private elementary school in the whole state of New York, and they have a substitute pool from which they will call uh in emergency situations or non-emergency situations to, to get into their uh schools. So first off, how does the actual Ned Schneebly qualify to be in their substitute pool? Because he is clearly not great at what he does, obviously, uh, if we we're to extrapolate how he interacts. <laughs> during the rest of the film. Uh, and certainly not very far along in his career to have made it into the, like the into the network of this like super elite school. Like your temps for this school would be retired teachers from that school. Like there's no way to get into that membrane. Then uh, they they fall for the Oh, wait, Ned Schneebly's coming in the door, and he, like, wipes down the phone and, like, changes his voice kind of like, oh, this is Ned Schneebly. (laughs) And that's the security system they have for getting (laughs) access to children, which is great. And then while he's there, none of the adults know what's going on. It's like like the people who are the academic elites that are teaching at this school are somehow fucking idiots and they can't (laughs) Figure out that this guy's a fraud. They can't figure out they, he never knows what anything about education. And this brings up a comparison I like to make. I just listened to the original Broadway score of School of Rock the musical, mm. which uh, the music was composed by Andrew Lloyd Webber of all people. Nice. Wow. Uh, and be. there's a song in it where all of the teachers are in the teacher's lounge talking about how shitty this new substitute is. <laughs> substitute teacher. Like, it's a huge hole in the plot, and they felt like they needed to fill the hole in the second version of this film. Mm.
0: So what do we you think, know, John? Yeah. You know,
4: I mean, I gotta say, there's a lot of good movies out there that don't often te- stand the test of logic or time. Uh, as far as you know, I try to I, I try to relate this. You know, like I don't know how much we were supposed to think about how he was supposed to become a substitute teacher. I think the the, the only to me the only goal for these writers was to get a loser that just got kicked out of his band into a teaching role, and I think they try to do it in whatever plot they could find. And it's similar to how uh, you'd get a bunch of rock headed gas, you know, get what do you call it? The, uh, the the dudes who like frack the gas out of the ocean. Get a bunch of those gas workers <laughs> to go up into space and be astronauts and blow up an asteroid that's supposed to hit our planet. How, like, I don't know if there's many as, as, like astronauts out there supposed to think about how the hell did they actually become astronauts? They had a little montage, that's about it, We saw Michael Clark and Clark Duncan uh, cry for his mother. But other than that, you didn't show them getting to be astronauts. It was just fun seeing a bunch of rockheads go from rockhead to rockhead astronaut and then go and build up and blow up a build, big rock. Um,
3: yes I, I agree with you this movie has just as much logistical well, logical consistency as armageddon <laughs>
4: right? but i do feel like people still love to see that movie and it has nothing to do with the logistics and more just to do with the, the, the great story and the, the kind of things that inspires from it that's my rant
0: not of approval from tim <laughs> <clears throat> I, don't um, know. I
4: think it's kind of like how, to me my point I guess is like how much were you supposed to concentrate on that part because there's a lot of things in a lot of different movies um, you know as far as that, that are considered good that you could concentrate on logistically how they got to that point uh, as, lo- as well as you know with whiplash having a psychotic homophobic teacher in there in a college <laughs> that prestigious you know it's kind of like well how logistical is that? <laughs>
2: I think it, my my argument back to that is that is anytime you argue argue what the intended effect of the thing is supposed to be, that's when it gets into that, that subjective territory, which is why we're arguing in the first place. Um, that that if something doesn't stand the test of time and logic and logistic, then then does it ultimately fail? I would argue yes that some, sometimes movies fall flat on their face after a couple of years and people are like, wait a second, this movie, uh, whatever. And, but how much that. of
4: the point was gotten across though? Because like I said, I've seen School of Rock versions in multiple different high schools. How much of the point was gotten across as opposed to the, the disconnection between reality and Hollywood? They made a Broadway musical.
3: <laughs> well, oh. here's, here's, it's an ultimate- player.
4: <laughs> what what
3: part, what part of elite Broadway is stick it to the man? What not part, <laughs> part of establishing extra credit or extracurricular school programs says stick it to the man? That is like those are just fingers of the man going out in ways that are slightly more palatable. That's not punk rock at all.
4: <laughs> no, okay. So as far well, as I think, well, I was kind of going with the message as far as inspiring people to play music but i did mention that it does have that message to stick it to the man even though i didn't really highlight that too much because i felt like that applied to me a little bit just because the way you know it starts out when the movie was sticking it to the man it has that message at the end and i do realize that um you know having a broadway musical is not really sticking it to the man as far as that you know compared to having a free punk show at cbgb's or something but uh i just you know it, it, i guess i was kind of more heading towards the point of the message of getting kids to play music and it, it it's it is under the the guise of rock but i think that's because rock is like kind of a simplistic music to get into and uh that's why i call it the school of rock but when i see school of rock bands they play all kinds of stuff you know I'll play billy joel or some i don't know some kind of pop music like beatles beatles is pop music you know i, I just feel like it's it's more about to me it was like it was getting kids into music I felt like that was the main message, and yeah, they had that "stick it to the man" message, but obviously that wasn't exactly. I don't know how to quantify that in reality. <laughs>
0: um, well, as we're getting close, we're getting close to unmasking. We're not quite there yet. We have one. I've got one more um, thing we wanted to touch base on. We we're kind of talking about the genre of music, movies in general, and Max, you'd mentioned something about the way the songwriting is portrayed um, in School of Rock.
2: Oh, oh, right, yeah, just like the, I. There, there's there's parts of it that that harkens to reality, but just like I think for the sake of of getting getting through uh, uh, the plot line of the story, they move some things quickly, but it just didn't really uh, uh, do enough justice to the way like a band sits down and like really hacks stuff out, and and nothing ever comes together well without like all that in between and the practicing and. It's just like the, the the i just can't help but apply like what what in reality would have happened in that like when it gets too far away from it it just breaks my ability to suspend my disbelief and then and then it's just like i i'm, I'm sitting there just like okay here, yep yep saw that saw that coming that's how that's gonna go okay cool and then i just have to like work my way through the rest of that movie that plot line of just like of course that happens of course that happens so just like playing, playing each trope like, like an orchestra.
3: They're also, uh, living the teacher slash rock star lifestyle, you, get, you just get like two, you see how much the sausage is made to the point where like a Hollywood film version is like going to be like not palatable. Uh, <laughs> Max, would you like to talk about how this battle of the bands is exactly like how our battle of the bands went in that it's <laughs> totally accurate in every way?
2: Um, <laughs> uh, uh, geez, the one in Wairika, um, it was like that, that battle of the bands did. Okay. Not <laughs> yeah. Not enough, not enough cows. Imagine, <laughs> imagine uh, uh, four guys were, were um, uh, us in this case was three guys. And then, and then like the sound guy stayed on stage and like watched us the whole time awkwardly. Um, just like we stood on, it wasn't a stage, was it? It was, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, an 18 wheeler flatbed, and we stood on that. And there's like a tarp in front of it, and uh, they, I mean, they had some lights and stuff like that. But it was like four o'clock in the afternoon, and there was like 20 people there. Uh, we did rock them. We rocked their faces. Um, yeah. but it was more of like, like any any sort of given um, uh, uh concert or or band thing where there's multiple bands like that is always like it, there's more time waiting for stuff to happen than there is music going on
4: <laughs> yeah you yeah, know like, that's that's funny because uh, i i uh, yeah you know the golden state fair that's that that's a it was really nice it was a good prize I just can't remember the last time I went to an elite New York school and saw a battle of the bands. I wonder what it would look like. Maybe it would look a little more like that than the cows and the chickens in the background.
2: That wasn't even in like, New York. It was in like, the suburbs of New York. So the place that they would have to go wouldn't even be in that like nice neighborhood or whatever that they that they were in. It would have been in like some strip mall somewhere. So they're gonna they're that, gonna maybe hold a little bit more, but it's gonna still be like a dingy, like abandoned, um,
4: like no, section. I I participated in the Battle of the Bands in my high school, and we had a state of the art theater. Uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Program. We had a very nice theater program. A lot of kids were thespians in my school, and it was in the third richest area in Portland. I don't know how I ended up there, but uh, I remember participating in a Battle of Bands in a recital hall. And that's what they were playing in, right? A recital hall.
3: Well, I remember Robert sweetwack and I going into Battle of the Bands, and it was in a church building.
4: I remember so, that. Yeah, I'm just saying, in a, it, it could be different when you go to an elite New York school. Here's,
3: here's, here's what I do know. The building is at least – uh, oh, maximally filled with just the other bands who are about to go on, who are or who have already went, <laughs> and minimally empty because all those bands are outside.
4: But all their parents, all their parents are there now. That's how it wasn't my... All the parents were there filling up the seats and probably buying the tickets for that expensive ass venue. <laughs>
0: um. Well that being said we're about at the time to unmask everybody um and so we're going to go around and we're going to talk about um share how we really feel if we were wearing a mask at all um and so yeah john would you like to go first how do you really feel about school of rock
4: i've never seen it I kid. Um, oh, I was, okay, I was like, oh my god I was, I was, so, I was just like, you are, oh my god Wow <laughs> I freaking oh hate, I actually hated that movie when I first saw it I thought it was super cheesy and stupid and shit But I saw it when I was like 18 years old And, um, when, uh, and you know, after after going to school And uh, seeing like how teachers learn how to, how to you know, kind of like inspire It's nothing about teaching It's nothing about how to learn how to teach It's about, um to me, it's, it, it shows me how, like, in college, teachers would try and teach you how to inspire kids to want to learn, not to inspire kids how to learn or to teach them how to learn to do something specific. It was just more of the act of inspiring kids to want to learn. And the more I got into, like, music education in college, which, you know, surprise, surprise, I'm a cook now. I'm not a teacher. Um, <laughs> I have a degree, though. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so the more I would go into music education, the more I kind of appreciate it. I would go back to that movie and really just appreciate the hell out of it at this point. Mm-hmm. Because it really, to me, like, as a kid, you're not thinking about these critiques that we've been talking about. You're thinking about those main messages, and they'll inspire you. And then you'll grow up later and be like, oh, yeah, that's bullshit. But that, 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 that inspiration <laughs> was still there for the first 10 years that you didn't know what
0: was actually going on. Sure. Um, okay, Max, do you want to go next?
2: Yeah, I I would say that I'm probably a proponent of the movie, even though I I feel the way I argued to a certain extent. <laughs> I I would rather have that movie have been made, and for people to be able to discern those stereotypes on their own, uh, and to be inspired by the movie, because like that did happen. Like that movie came out, and then people were like, "Oh, Ruck's the thing," and it like made it mainstream, which I feel like. Uh, Cheapens it a little bit, but but is better than people not. Doing it's it. been cheapened since the 80s. That's
0: true. <laughs> there's,
2: there's like that.
0: Nice. Uh Tim.
3: Uh I love this movie. I think this movie Woo. is like probably like top 20 favorite movies that ever were ever.
4: Fucking brave <laughs> man here, man. This is a brave I, man.
3: <laughs> I, I rewatched it this week for this thing, and I was like. Just smiling the whole time, like <laughs> just for like your your Jack Black quota. Like this is the only movie you need. It yeah,
1: fills yeah, the Jack Black cup quite substantially, for sure. Yeah,
3: it's like, geez, man, that is like it's like perfect. Like like Pick a Destiny is like a lot of Jack Black. This is like the perfect dollop of Jack Black. <laughs>
4: <laughs> this is, you know, I I I, I got to point out one thing. And my biggest dollop of Jack Black was when you get this tiny little scene where he goes to his car and he's like in trouble with the police or something. But you go to his car and you see this fat Cannibal Corpse sticker in the back of his car, <laughs> and it shows you that like he's got love for the metalheads too. And that really just like blew my shit, dude. That that dude, I made wrote me that so down
3: because he he also has a sticker in his apartment that says Cannibal Corpse, and I was like, I better write this yes. down so I can tell it's wrong.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I, I would say too. Oh, oh okay yeah uh the the other thing too about the movie was that those kids actually played instruments and and it was like really awesome uh, opportunities for those kid actors and musicians like the, like that the, what bothers me most about music movies is when they don't show the hands and they don't play it right it just drives me <laughs> nuts um and so but in this movie those kids play that stuff that kid is actually that good at those at the drums the kid can play guitar, the other kid can play piano, even though they are all like horrible stereotypes of themselves. It's like that's not necessarily a bad stereotype to be. It's like, Sassy Black Girl, okay, you can do it, you can sing. Go ahead, be you. That's fine.
0: Sure. Yeah,
3: uh, it's all true except for the first time we see Zach play guitar. It's the classical guitar, and it's the worst fake guitar playing you've ever <laughs> seen because his fingers aren't <laughs> touching. His plucking fingers aren't touching the strings and his other hand just, like, just kind of doing nonsense over here. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad, bad.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I know. They try I to know. make him look like Richie Ballard
0: or something. <laughs> Quasi, yeah, I kind love, of know how you feel. But. I
1: love watching experts break down movies about what they what they know. Like, yeah. I'm so curious about what you rock stars think is, like, the best music movie um, in this <laughs> case, but... Well, again, I suppose we'll talk about that later. We'll I talk about that extensively, yeah. Um, yeah, Tim, you're so right. This is the just like a, just like the mm, the bright Jack Black, just like the perfect, the perfect seasoning of Jack Black. Is <laughs> um, and I, I yeah. Again, it's it was so much. I watched this over and over again. It's just it's just fun from start to finish. And I think that it's. Um, I didn't take away any, like, understanding this was about teaching in any context. <laughs> was, yes! Like, there was nothing about teaching that I took from this. It was mostly just about someone trying to inspire kids. And it's less about the context. They they, they chose a school as that context with its own limitations, but, like, they learned nothing. <laughs> like, they learned from that, their experiences and what they wanted to get out of it and how they were able to break out of you know their expectations of what they could do. So I thought I thought that was great to see, and it's fun to watch. Um, it come to fruition at a uh, bitch and concert. So.
3: Yeah, I know this is not a teaching movie because I still like watching it. <laughs> like, actual, actual teaching movies I can't. Yeah. Like uh, what's that? What's yeah. that Hillary Swank one? Yeah, <laughs> was the Freedom Riders. of Ooh, Rocky Freedom Hall. Riders. Nice. I can't. That was garbage. I can't watch that one. I can't uh, like uh, Mr. Holland's Opus. Like I can't do yeah. that one. Like ones where it's actually like, oh, uh, the classic uh, Dead Poet Society.
0: We just did. We just did that on the show a little bit ago. Can't watch it anymore. I used to. Oh, watch
4: no it. way. <laughs> I love that movie. I can't
3: watch because it's all about like the teacher is like the the demigod who inspires others, and I'm just like but you're forgetting about all the bullshit and all the real world and all the wow blah, 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 And I just get angry. So <laughs> this isn't a teaching movie because I still love it hundred <laughs> percent.
4: Yeah. Unlike all those like movies about a teacher going into a troubled area and being the, the, the savior and some bullshit.
1: <laughs> right. Trying to reach out to, to the, to the, to the youth. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, how do you feel?
0: uh i haven't watched this movie in a minute but uh i also love it um i watched it a lot when i was it was like it was kind of in our like rotation of me and my neighborhood buddies um we were watching this a lot we i had the soundtrack of the movie on the cd um it was nice this was like i think the first time uh i actually listened to stevie nicks not Fleetwood mac but stevie nicks solo stuff <laughs> um I'm trying to Are remember. You, you were into else.
3: classic rock before this movie came out. Yeah.
0: Um, well, probably not before when this movie came out in 2003, I was probably listening to a lot of weird owl. Um, but it, well, like sure. four, three or that four fast years fast. later, three or four, year, fast forward two or three, four years later. And that was, I was deep in it. And so they're like rush 2012. I'm like, I have that album and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, no, I mean I I love it. I think it's 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 interesting zooming in on the when he's got all the bands webbed out on the chalkboard and looking at what all's listed on there and like I don't know, it's just like kind of like this weird like history of music movie too, when he's like, You guys never got the let out and stuff like that. So, yeah, so it
3: was a perfect <laughs> movie to watch in theaters with someone's parent because like <laughs> They would get a kick out of like all of the music references and I'm just like, I'm here for Jack Black, whatever.
4: (laughs) That's funny.
0: Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're gonna keep talking, um, after this on our extended play, which is our post show just for our Patreon subscribers. Um, so that's going to do it for this, uh, for this episode, uh, for School of Rock, everybody. Um, if you've got thoughts about School of Rock, you can email us at 24flamespod at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at 24flamespod, wherever you get your podcasts and Leave a rating, review, subscribe, um, so that more people can find the show. We can make the show better. Um, it's, it's a great two-way street of helping each other. Um, And, uh, yeah, um, Tim, before we go, do you want to tell people about the new Impulse Control album?
3: I sure do. Go ahead. (laughs) My name is Tim Duryea, and I am one of the members of Impulse Control. We would love your support for uh, our new album, not because we're into ourselves, although that is also true, but mostly because Uh, 100% of the proceeds for the new album and all the merch are going to the Almeida Fire Relief Fund in Southern Oregon. Uh, Our hometown and the surrounding area was uh, sort of like decimated is an appropriate word from from the fires. Um, 3,000 people are without homes, uh, and lots of those people are our friends. So uh, if you help us support... Um, just by buying a shirt or buying a CD or whatever, that just goes straight to our friends and folks that we don't know in the community, uh, that are in need. Uh, the, the fire happened in September and the, the aftermath is going to last years. So, um, we're happy to use the album to, uh, put back into the community that has supported us for the last five years. So,
0: yeah. That's all um, we got well right on yeah you guys can find uh, find them on Instagram at, inst- uh, at Impulse Control Music um, which I mentioned earlier you can find their music on Spotify um, I think it was two years ago my Spotify year in review um, I had I think like two Impulse Control songs in my like top five I was yeah. out of the town yeah. on that first album um, <laughs> and so uh, they also play a pretty sick cover of um, well, oh, well damn it what's the Frozen song
4: let it go <laughs>
0: let, yeah Um, and so that's only if you see them live, I think, but, uh, check them out. Um, they're great guys. Um, and Tim is a sweetie. He'll carry all the coconuts. Tim for president, Tim for, Tim for class president. Um, but, uh, but yeah, everybody, um, this episode of, 24 Flames Per Second is produced and hosted by me, Robert Spiwak. It's co-hosted by Quasi Phillips. The panels this week were all the members of Impulse Control, Max, John, yeah. and Tim. And our show music is composed and performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson. And our network and co-op, Party Fish Media, is produced by Quasi Phillips, Will Paulson, and me, everybody. And so let me double-check my schedule here for what we've got coming up next week after this um, we're doing Casino Royale because No Time to Die is finally coming out somewhere yes. um, and so yeah everybody uh, we're excited we actually we delayed that we were going to do it like back in March and then obviously that didn't happen because COVID so um, everybody mask up take care of yourselves so that we can see James Bond finally um, and uh, yeah everybody I think uh, I think that does it so we'll catch you next week everybody and uh, thanks for listening bye bye Hi, green. Party fish media.